Hey there, welcome to season one of Liminal Spaces podcast. My name is Debbie. Here we talk about the impact of liminal spaces in our lives, why they matter, and how we can navigate and thrive when we bump up against them. Today, I am joined by Stina Boucher to talk about the power of practicing intentional presence. Stina is bilingual, Swedish, founding partner of Bloom Creative Playground, and currently works at a Swedish lifestyle boutique. In this first part of our conversation, Stina generously shares her personal journey of why she burnt out, what the experience of recovery has been like, and delivers a hopeful message of how we can all cultivate habits that will empower us to navigate and thrive in liminal space. So welcome to the show, Stina. Thank you very much. <laughs> Stina is from southern Sweden. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Kind of? Uh, where, 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 how would you describe Linköping? Easiest is just to say that it's two hours south from Stockholm. It's okay. eastern part. Okay. <laughs> so she's <laughs> yeah. from the eastern part of Sweden, two hours from Stockholm? Yeah. Yes. And, but she currently lives in, on the west coast of Sweden and with her husband, Mick, and her cat, Coco, which I think, by the way, is like the coolest cat name ever. Stina is vibrant, energetic, uh, and very joyful. You're also a people lover. You're like one of the best bakers I know, and you are a hospitality pro with a keen flair for beauty and creativity. And I think people can also see that when they walk into your home. It's like, it's beautiful, it's welcoming, it's very comfortable, and I really love that uh, about you. Stina is also a founding partner of Bloom, which is a creative studio that empowers social impact projects to execute their visions in the best way possible. When Stina isn't involved with all the things I've just said, uh, mm-hmm. I would say that you would find her hanging out with her cat, Coco, like I mentioned, uh, picking berries in the forest and relaxing by the sea. Thank you so much for coming here yeah. to sit with me and talk about your story and your process. I uh, shared with this with you before, but I have watched you over a period of three years. Just walk through a really, like, the the in the epitome, I would say, of a liminal space. You've mm. been in this waiting period and uncertain period with your healing journey and recovery from being burnt out before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I wanted to sit with you because I've been really fascinated by how gradual your story is unfolding. And I think that that would be very difficult for anyone to kind of walk through. But I've seen you kind of not um, isolate, like you've been alive and present in the moment with the good and the bad days. So I think that that's uh, one of the reasons I wanted to sit with you, because I think that there's something really powerful and beautiful about that, that we can all learn mm-hmm. what it means to be present, regardless of if it's like a high moment or low moment. I uh, recently sent a quote, and I sent this to you earlier in the day, mm-hmm. But uh, the quote says, uh, waiting isn't just about what I get at the end of the wait. 
it is about who I become at mm. the end of, end of the wait. Mm. And of course, this is very <laughs> relevant to me, to you, to everyone mm. in the world right now where we're standing in a literally a liminal space of not knowing mm-hmm. what our coronavirus is, what the future impact of that would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, aside from looking at that quote and saying it's so resonant with mm. the big picture, I think it's also very resonant in my life and mm. in yours and, and with your journey. So uh, what would be some of your thoughts about that quote as you think about kind of big picture, your your journey and where you're at today? Yeah, I mean, it's a great quote and it really makes you think. And as you said, like, especially in those times right now. Uh, but for me, it's a lot about like staying true to who you are and the values that you believe in in the midst of this waiting time. And mm. how do you live out those things in very small ways mm. in that time? Not only when you get to what you're waiting for. Mm. Um I mean, even just like big words that we have, like, you know, I'm a believer and like I put my fear in God and I don't let fear conquer me. And, you know, there's so many big, fancy, nice words that we can use. And but then it's like, but in this time of we don't know with the coronavirus and all those things, like, what does it mean to not let fear uh, paralyze us, paralyze us the word? Uh, it's very easy to say or preach or talk about when you're not in that place. Mm. But when you're in the midst of that, how do you live out that in a day-to-day level? And how how am I re- like using wisdom mm. and being wise in this situation, but still not f- let fear guide me, uh, mm. for example? So, of course, to bring it back more to my story also, it's also been a lot about being true to the values that I believe in and, and mm. who I believe God created me to be mm. not uh, f- uh, for example I love to host people and to let them uh, and it's easy for me to think and I have a lot of ideas and also I want to connect like people and in social injusti- injustice issues and mm. oh I can't wait until I can host all these events that will make people really like get it and want to start to help a person in that country to start a company that could help them out of poverty and then Mm. they can do that and you know like I have big ideas with this but it's it starts in how can even if I can't do that right now because I am um, limited Mm. in my capacity right now I cannot host that big event that I had an idea about for so long time or whatever Mm. but how can I invite one person over for dinner and have that conversation with a person that could still mean all the difference for that person hmm. in starting to engage in some kind of issue in their community, for example. And I can hmm. just be an encouragement. And because I prepared this nice meal and light these candles, the person felt relaxed. Hmm. And because of that, they opened up and could share their heart. And because of that. So for me, it's a lot about those. Oh, how can I live that out what I'm longing for, even in the smallest, smallest ways? Hmm. And, yeah. and not excuse myself with that certain things in my surrounding looks in a certain way. And because of that, I 
I have to wait until I can see something else. Or yeah, if it makes sense. yeah, but that is so true. I love that you mentioned saying staying true to who you are and your values, mm. and what you believe in. I think that that's such a great reminder because it's so easy to look for the big, right? Mm. Like I yeah. just want something to look that way, mm-hmm. and then I can do. Like yeah. is this like if something happens, then mm-hmm. I will do something that's supposed to what is reality right now and how do I live fully in the best way possible with what is in front of me? So that's really powerful. You mentioned a few things around social injustice issues (laughs) and and then you say, oh, invite people into my house. And I think that that's like, well, that's who you are and Mm. you've been involved with things like that. So from that, share mm-hmm. with us a little bit about your journey, like where you're coming from and how you ended up here. Yes, I will try to do that. In a, <laughs> It's hard to keep it short, mm-hmm. uh, but a little bit summary. Uh, after high school, I went to, do, to join YOM, Youth with a Mission, and I did my discipleship training school with, with them. And I really felt like uh, after that time, uh, God really put a special heart for my own nation, Sweden. Mm. And I really wanted to do something uh, of value. And I saw that the organization YOM had a lot of potential. Like there was so many, there were en- endless possibilities. And they really gave a platform for young people to, mm. to explore, mm. to do something for your own community and for other communities around the world. So I, so I joined. I'm really grateful for that. Um, Part of uh, my journey is that I traveled to South Africa and I saw a bunch of different social businesses Mm. uh, that some people uh, were running to help people out of poverty or people that were sick in HIV or AIDS. uh, And I was able to just volunteer at those businesses and just help them out and Mm. see what an impact they made in people's lives. They give such value to people that felt they couldn't contribute in the situation they were, but then they could contribute because of the job creation program that they were creating. Right. Uh, and I just loved that idea. So I got really... That really became a passion on my heart. And since that, I think that has followed me a little bit. Mm. That injustice issues that I see around wherever you go, uh, to be able to do something active with that like mm-hmm. and, to, and and one way to do is to start uh, businesses or uh, around the issue or being able to employ people to solve the issues or mm. there's many different ways of course mm. uh, and that's a lo- longer story and maybe you can take another podcast on that of course <laughs> <laughs> that is the journey of even starting bloom so together with my husband and together with debbie uh, that has been something that has been kind of growing from that place in 2009 when I was in South Africa that has been growing on my heart, but I didn't know exactly in what way. Mm. And also I was uh, uh, part of setting up uh, a jewelry parties here in Sweden mm. with an organization, the uh, Eden Ministry, that is really cool, mm. uh, that is work, uh, helping uh, uh, ex-prostitutes out of prostitution and they... Um, provide work for them instead mm. uh, through jewelry making and then I've been selling jewelries and telling them story their story in Sweden so mm. I got involved with that at the same time as I was me and Mick uh, um, 
moved to a new location where we are right now on the west coast of Sweden. So that was in 2014. Mm. So up until then, different things were leading up to that. I, I, my interest for doing some, something with social injustice issues was mm. just there all the time, but I was doing a few different things. But mm. I, was, I always tried to involve that as well. Mm. But I didn't know exactly in what way I would have that in the future. But then we started to talk with you about uh, starting Bloom. Mm. And actually that is exactly the same time as uh, I also started to get worse. Like mm. with my health. Mm. Um, I was... And I mean part of that was just because I was doing too many different things. Uh, at the same time, uh, I think we. Oh, there are so many different details that leads up to burnout, so it's very hard to say. Oh, this was the key element. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's many factors, mm-hmm. so it's hard to describe everything. Um, but basically, we had moved here uh, to the west coast of Sweden, and there was many needs and many possibilities, endless possibilities, and I had endless of ideas. Uh, <laughs> you do. You're like a you're like a machine for ideas. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah. And that's great sometimes, mm. but I think if you lack boundaries, mm. it could be a very very hard reality that hits you later. And I think that's what I experienced. Mm. I didn't have enough people around me that put helped me to put boundaries. It was up to myself, and I was not able to do it because I hadn't learned to do that. Mm. Uh, and instead. My energy and my ideas were, were was very welcomed in this place mm. right then because it was like a very special season for the organization. And so together with me being a time optimist and I see the needs and I'm a people pleaser, that created of course a lot of stress. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, so that's so good. I I hear you say a, a few different things already applicable, and that's the challenge most of the time isn't that we're not having great ideas or we're not active or engaged with our work or community. It's really that if we do not put boundaries or if we don't have healthy boundaries around, then that great energy for let's change the world, let's make great things could really turn and become something detrimental to our lives like for example mm-hmm. our health yeah. and I think that that's such a great already like yes mm-hmm. uh, that's something to remember that's something to apply to our li- our daily lives mm-hmm. we already uh, I think established the fact that you did burn out in mm. 2016 leading mm. up to that okay I got a diagnosis for mm. burnout what did that feel like what what was going on through your mind when you when you heard that sad news yeah the first part is just that it was of course there was a specific date when I got the diagnosis, but there was like one and a half or two years leading up to that mm. and uh, I was thinking about it before and of course that was like too high of a stress during a long time leading up to that mm. and it started with that I st- um, just to give a little bit of background also for my burnout that mm. I didn't give before is that also since high school I had been struggling with a lot of uh, tension headaches and migraines and I've been doing a lot of like 
uh, checkups and stuff to see that it's nothing dangerous, etc., etc. And the doctors couldn't do anything, and there was no medication that helped. And mm. uh, so at some point when I was around, I don't know, 24, 23, something like that, I just, I was so tired of being so dictated by my headaches and like, f- yeah. Oh, should I rest today then because I have a headache or not, or etc. Mm. etc. Et that I decided to just like, okay, I'm not gonna think about my headaches anymore. I'm gonna live anyway, and then apparently I can't get better from it, so I'm just not gonna listen to them and I'm just gonna go with whatever anyway. Mm. Uh, and that is, I think, one key for why I burned out is that I taught myself to not listen to my body. Mm. So I did. A little bit of, uh, okay, I, I work a little bit less now for, I think it was one or two months. I worked maybe half time. And I, mm. and then my my stomach got better and my nauseousness disappeared. And we went to Canada for vacation. Mm. And, mm-hmm. You know, we came back. and uh, But then if I would have learned my lesson then, I could have really like put margins and knowing that I cannot have Mm. too many things going on and I need space to rest and I need space to recover Mm. uh, whenever I get tired. But I never had, like, my life before my burnout, I didn't know what margins was. Mm. Like, I really didn't know what Mm -hmm. that was. I I had a weird view of it. Like, Mm. it's different when you haven't gone through something yourself. And then... Now I wish I was one of them that knew that mm. you need a little bit of space in between different things and yeah. to recharge and mm. uh, things like that. Um, so I didn't do that, which led to that I, again, started to have physical symptoms from that I had a burnout. Mm. Uh, but it took a while before I actually went to the doctor again because uh, I thought I could just manage it myself, changing stuff, some things. I thought it was things I was eating, you know, mm, mm. many things like that. So it, it, it is very tricky because it's like a it's mental <laughs> issue. Like it's actually something in your brain that is cut. There is some uh, issues there. Yeah. But it's really like physical symptoms. So it feels like it's something else. I was chatting with a friend and she went like, actually, wait a minute. What is burnout? Like, mm. is it a, is it, is it like illness? Like, is it a health issue? And I think that for some people like that doesn't even resonate. Burnout is a combination of different things. Like you just said, it's, it's emotional, mental and physical exhaustion all put together. And just before we actually hit record, we were having this short conversation about that there is a thin line sometimes between stress and burnout. Mm -hmm. That's why people burn out because sometimes it's like, Oh, I'm just stressed out. Maybe if I just slow down a little bit or like tweaked my life a little bit, then I could get better. And Mm -hmm. that's true. Except it's not clean cut like mm-hmm. that. So it's very easy to move from a place of stress to extreme stress, which then would result in a burnout. But just to pay attention to the patterns that are happening mm. in life and how we're responding to things and how we're not, because all those small things add up. Just to like uh, finish the little, yeah. yeah, when it really happens. I think there's many things leading up to I. Uh, was really not doing well, went to a doctor's appointment and I 
at that time we I already talked with a doctor before that mm. about maybe working less hours etc etc mm. but at this specific doctor's appointment uh, she actually told me you are not allowed to work anymore and that was really 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 hard to hear mm. Uh, mm. it kind of it's another thing when you get to decide yourself but at this time she decided it for me because hmm. she saw it was necessary. Hmm. And that's why she told me, now you're on sick leave for the next uh, three to six months. Right. So I said yes to being on sick leave, 75%. But I said, I'm going to work 25%. And right. she said, no, you should, you're not going to do that. Hmm. And that was really, really hard. But I think in this specific case, it was needed. And she knew that. Hmm. But, so, but after I dropped everything for a while, like my health still started to... It still went down, downhill. Mm. And I think that that's... Many people maybe have heard that also, but you don't realize it for yourself until you've experienced that. You think that if you just adjust something a little bit and you just rest a little bit, it's going to go. But your, if your body is to the point where it really needs an, a, a break and really needs... Or especially your brain mm. needs a break to be able to start to recover and heal... In the very first place, when you stop, it's not going to... The first two weeks or something, it's right. not going to start to heal and mm. you're going to feel fantastic again. It's almost going to be the opposite. And mm. that's going to make you scared. What has been kind of the challenges or like what has been has the experience been like for you then living in this space with like burnout? Mm. I think it's like first comes like I felt ashamed Hmm, that's interesting. And, uh, yeah, I didn't want to accept it in the, in the beginning. I think also. Why is that? Why do you uh, think that you felt shame? Because it's like, oh, how how could I end up here? Hmm. What made me end up here? That I was not uh, cautious enough. Uh, you take hmm. a lot of guilt on yourself. I think. Right. Um, and of course, there is things that I could have done. To not end up there. So it's not about like, oh, this just happened to me and I have nothing. So it's also to not flip it the other side. Mm. But it's very important to not... Uh, and that has been an important process to also like not identify with the burnout that that's who I am. Mm. And it's not something I'm going to stay in. Mm. Like from the very beginning to... Okay, this is something... And that I need to take care of and I need rest and I need space and I need some tools mm. to get out of this. But it's going to get better. And to always have that hope. That's such a good, like, yeah, so good perspective to have. Yeah. yeah. I think it, hopelessness is, like, the worst. It's like, don't, yeah. Even if it's just very small steps, like, I'm going to get better. Mm. Uh, but also to, like, push away that shame or guilt or whatever because it doesn't do anything good either and mm. I think it's a lot about this is not who I am hmm. and if somebody so asks good. me oh so what are you doing and then we expect of course that we say our work title or what we're working with right. and then I was on sick leave so of course then I, I think oh I should say I'm on sick leave uh, but then to instead start to think like okay who who am I and what am I do what am I doing that tells something about me when hmm. I'm not working and doing the work they usually do. Oh, that's so good. Hold on. So, <sighs> who am I? 
and what can I say about who I who I am when I'm not working? Yeah, that and, is and so good. And what do I good. do? Because yeah. I, it's not like I don't do anything. Hmm. And the 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 things that I choose to do in my resting time also tells something about who I am. Wow, that is yeah. so powerful. I think yeah. such a great perspective to have, especially mm-hmm. in culture now where. Who, what you do defines who you are, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we swing. It's like, oh, it, we either go, it doesn't matter what I do, it's just mm-hmm. who I am, or everything I do is what is important mm-hmm. and who mm-hmm. I am is not. But Yeah, and to like, I think also to really come to the place where like my value is not changed. My value is exactly mm. the same before the burnout. So good. Even if I feel like I did more things of value, Hmm. beforehand because hmm. I could produce a lot of more things I was more effective yeah my value and who I and like how valuable I am as a person has not changed yes. God says I am the same uh, he values me the same but also what you're saying we should not fall into the ditch of oh so then it doesn't matter what I do because it does yeah and we, that brings us back to even this quote is like it is about who I am as I wait. Yes. Like that actually matters. Mm. When I'm in, in this season of rest and recovery, what is my daily choices? Mm. Uh, mm. Actually also tells who I am. So when I meet a person, we're going to present ourselves to be able to say things that I enjoy doing now when I'm resting or right. uh, still tell something about who I am. Mm. So good. There's so many things I can look back on this journey and not be proud of who, what I did, my behavior, hmm. stuff. But with the insight I have now on and exactly what we're talking about, that I think it matters so much. Hmm. That's why I'm not proud of it, because I can look back and see it actually matters. But I think it's very human to not be able to live fully all the time. But just to be aware of that that's part of your goal, to in those small steps be true to who you are and really live it out so i think you also you asked like a little bit what the challenging part of it was Mm. in that and and maybe and a couple other things that i can mention is just fear of letting people down it's a big thing Hmm. in the whole like okay i'm not able to do all the things that i would like to do now and then i cannot be there and do all the things that i wish i could do and that could also let people down but Mm. to also like let go of that and knowing that people are going to understand. Because mm. they do. Most of the time, really. People are really understanding. Especially yeah. if you choose to include people in your journey. Mm. I think it's something about vulnerability that is so beautiful. Yeah. That it's just you just decide to be vulnerable and honest with people. And they will show that they understand you. I'm very thankful for my faith. And mm. really... I got a new perspective of what it really means to living with the Holy Spirit as our helper. Mm. It's been very helpful to be able to put out up boundary, boundaries and knowing where my limitations are. Mm. But then from day to day, being able to walk with the Holy Spirit and sometimes feel that he, he gives the extra grace right that you need yeah. to reach out to that person even mm. if you had decided that today i can only do two different activities and mm. you already fulfilled that quote and then it comes a neighbor and really has something on their heart and they need to to talk or to mm. pray or need a babysitter or whatever and you had decided that no i cannot do anything more today because i already like my energy level is 
it's too much already. Yeah, yeah. But then to feel that kind of like Holy Spirit inside of you, kind of like giving you the grace and the peace to just say yes in that moment. Yeah. And just like naturally, I wouldn't have the energy for it. But in this very moment, I feel that the Holy Spirit is giving me that extra energy mm. that I really need in this moment to be able to be a blessing for people around me. Right. Because I really, really think that this season, even if it's a lot about that you need to learn to take care of yourself and to love yourself, in doing that, you should always have an output also. And like looking around you and how can you bless people through who you are in a natural way because if you only look into yourself all the time i think that's that is the way to depression sorry like i think so Mm. like i really think if you're only because you're only gonna look at your own issues and it's only gonna be hopeless and it's gonna Mm. feel hard and it's not doing your own yourself a favor either right I'm so thankful I have not been into a de- depression and I, I think it's a really real thing and mm. it's really a big issue in society today mm. and I know many people that burn out they also have a depression right. so I'm really really thankful that I, I haven't had that but it's on my mind a lot and I've been thinking like why it didn't go there and mm. I, I think there's many factors but it, it's really interesting the thing we're talking about now Yeah. Uh, it was easy for me living in a very intentional community mm. to have people around me that I could be vulnerable with but still help and still be part of their life. Mm. Even in the midst of me not doing so well. That helps a lot because mm. if you're living quite isolated and mm. don't have much energy for actually going and seeing people or making appointments or going and helping someone... Uh, that could really hindering you from having that output that could also help you to oh, mentally so get over good. things. So I'm, yeah. it, I think it's an issue, at, at least in Sweden, because it's mm-hmm. so individualistic and so much loneliness. It's probably many other parts of the world also. How do you create those spaces mm. when you have very limited energy to still have some kind of output that uh, could bless somebody else and it's not focusing around yourself, but that is kind of part of helping you right. healing also yeah. in that way. That wraps up the first part of my conversation with Stina. I hope you enjoyed listening. So far, two things stand out to me. The first is the question, how do I stay true to who I am and the values I hold in times of chaos, uncertainty and waiting? And the second is the thought of finding small ways to live out my dreams and passions, regardless of my current circumstances. I hope you can take some time to reflect on a question, a phrase or thought that resonates with you and is applicable in your own life. Be encompassed by love and always remember that even though none of us can control everything that happens to us, we can all control how we respond.